0: I know things you never see. You never see someone taking a shit while running at full speed.
1: Come on, kid, get rid of some of them turds in the shit box. Welcome to the Bathroom Break Podcast with me, Rab himself. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Rab from the Bathroom Break Podcast. Just wanted to take a minute to thank you all for listening to the podcast. It's been a lot of fun to sit down with some really interesting people and shoot the shit, you know, talk all that poop and stuff. But, uh, yeah, we want to try and make this thing better for you, so we're going to need to raise some funds. If you head over to greengate.bigcartel.com, there's a donation link there. If you feel so inclined to donate to the Bathroom Break Podcast, awesome. If not, sit back and listen. We're going to talk some crap. Welcome to the Bathroom Break Podcast. I'm your host, Rab himself, and I'm sitting here today with musician Jim Fairchild uh, in multiple bands. Granddaddy, first and foremost, and and All Smiles, which is incredible, and uh, and honestly, one of my all-time favorite bands, Modest Mouse. So, um, yeah. man, welcome, welcome well, to- Thanks for having me. Yeah. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to
0: the, the <laughs> plaza, the courtyard. Yeah,
1: dude, we're sitting at Dangerbird Records right now. And uh, this place is rad, you know. So, so how did you uh, like? How did you get involved with uh, Dangerbird?
0: Well, I, I've been involved with Dangerbird, sort of, I guess, on and off, basically since they started. When um, around 2005, when Granddaddy was kind of the first version of Granddaddy, or the first movement of Granddaddy was starting to die down. I was living down here, and I had left Modesto a couple of years before, I guess. And then um, I wound up. Um, my friend Peter actually uh, started the label, and he's still still runs it. And um, my friend Aaron, who works at the label now, Aaron Espinoza. Um, Aaron and I wound up producing a record for Peter, a, a, a record that a Peter Walker record. And then Peter and I produced a, a record for a band called Dappled City, this incredible band from Australia. Oh, and nice. then. All, all Smiles, which was like my project, uh, wound up getting signed to Danger Bird. Yeah. And so the first record that I did was on uh, Danger Bird and then just through a bunch of stuff, we wound up not working together in the future. But I always stayed really close friends with Peter. Or I, Peter and I always st- at least stayed in regular contact. And I always have really dug hanging out with him. And then now being back here, um, it was the, the conversation came up, you know with i don't know me being a music fan and and just working with tons of different people and collaborating with tons of different people they um asked if i would come on and you know do a little bit of a and r oh start, that's right start bringing bands to them so there's a there's a single series uh on danger Bird called microdose and um now i'm starting to bring in the bands for the microdose series damn so
1: yeah, and that's cool, and that, like, makes sense from, from the band, like, that you had kind of... You, f- you found that band from Australia, or...? or well, I didn't,
0: no, I didn't find them, but uh, oddly, they had actually opened a granddaddy show before, oh, in, yeah. in Australia years before. Yeah. Um, they wound up working with Danger Bird, but, I, like, I've never... Everybody's trajectory is different, obviously, but I think a lot of times musicians, or anybody, like, maybe you're an actor, and, and at first you're, like, super into the craft, and you, like, want to discover all, how, how people do it who the new actors are, who the new directors are, whatever, editors, whatever you're into. And then later, just as life transforms and takes over, I think a lot of times people sort of drift away from that passion. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it definitely ebbs and flows a little bit, but I've, I've just never gotten away from being that, like, 13-year-old kid going to... I mean, all the granddaddy dudes are from Modesto. Like, so you'd have to go to San Francisco or maybe Stockton Tower Records or or uh, Sacramento Tower Records, or there was the beat up there. Anyway, you'd have to go somewhere to like look for zines or demo tapes from the bands that you're reading about or whatever. Yeah. That that energy has, it's like never disappeared. I still, if I'm on Instagram, which is not that much, but I'll kind of like, let me turn my phone off. I'll kind of like um, bounce around. And if I see somebody tagged then I'll go and like look at that and look at that and look at how all that stuff tumbles and then I'll just wind up discovering stuff that maybe isn't even on like Spotify or, or yeah. iTunes yet. I've just always been that dude. Like I'm just curious about new music. Yeah. And so through that process, I just, you know, I'm I'm just fascinated by how people do it and what, what stuff is happening new and old. I just wanna discover. But I think even more now in my life actually, because i think there's that danger too as you become like an older musician that you're just gonna maybe i'm not relevant anymore i don't know i can't answer that question but <laughs> the one very surefire way to not be relevant anymore would be to like stop being curious about what is happening out there and i i so it's partly deliberate but it's also just partly the way that i do it i just am always find new stuff so it slots in pretty easily for you know record labels want to find new bands and you know, I can help people make records and I can help people get their get their shit off the ground. And that's the best thing in the world, especially yeah. as kind of an older dude who's been through, you know, at least a generation of this. Um, stepping back from it and realizing like that, I know a lot about, you know, making records and master side and publishing side and making videos and all that sort of stuff. And that's another great thing as well as to maybe be able to pass along some of that information yeah in an in an, like a, an official way you know
1: yeah that's awesome and to answer that you're definitely still relevant dude <laughs> i mean like <laughs> like your music um every bit of it granddaddy and all smiles and modest Mouse, to me is all like timeless sound oh cool so like th- thinking back to like late 90s early 2000s with granddaddy and, and all of that like that right now when you press play on it feels relevant right here and now 20 years later, oh, that's, I feel like.
0: That's really good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I know that we used to talk about that a lot, is that, you know, you, you never... It'd be nice to think that if you're, whatever you're making wouldn't immediately indicate when it was made. Yeah. You know?
1: And, and not to, like, rip on hair metal or something like that, but there's bands like that where you're like, that is definitely, like, 85. 1987. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. 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 you know. And some of that stuff is great also, but...
0: but it is, you know right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, shit, I love... You know, Duran Duran had like the oh, most bulletproof yeah. series of singles ever. Like, but you know that that shit was made in '83, '84. <laughs> like, you know exactly when that yeah. stuff happened just because like the, that's that, that's that delay, that's that gated reverb, whatever. Those those things are all time stamped, and there's there's definitely some of that in Granddaddy, and uh, but, you know, the 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 objective was to not have that be so obvious, you know?
1: Yeah. That's cool man so I wanted to ask like you spoke a little bit about like when you were thirteen up in Modesto, like when did you get your first guitar,
0: and when did you like start playing yourself like well um, my brother my brother is seven years older than me, and he was always into music and he had a guitar around. I would always mess around with that from you know I think. I was probably like five or something when he had a guitar. I wasn't playing then really, but I started playing saxophone when I was in like third grade. I was always super, super interested in music. Like I can, I remember this moment really, really clearly for my brother's, I think 12th birthday. So he's seven and a half years, years older than me. So I would have been four at the time. There was this touring like Beatles review called Beatlemania and so. Uh, My brother wanted tickets to Beatlemania. This, I mean, this was well after the Beatles existed. This would have been like 1979 or something like that. Yeah. Um, My brother wanted to go see it, so my parents got him tickets, got all of us tickets for it, and we went to the Orpheum Theater in San Francisco. And they just basically, like, you know, they they get up there. I don't remember exactly, but I think they just play a bunch of Beatles jams, and then they they would wear the costumes from that. So it's like, you know, if they're doing Sgt. Peppers, then they put on those costumes, and then, like, if they're doing something off of... Uh, let it be. Then they put on mustaches and like longer yeah. hair, or whatever. And so, I can totally remember within a couple of days after um, going to see Beatlemania, being this little tiny rug rat and going to, going over to my aunt and uncle's house and t- looking up at my aunt. I can I get like I can totally picture this still going. There's this great band called the Beatles, and they have this great song called <laughs> Let It Be. <laughs> and um, she's like, Yeah, cute. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so that that was uh that was the first record that i bought i remember um that i wanted to have the record that let it be for some reason my parents didn't have that record i still own this copy um but my dad made me i'm sure i i don't even think i was old enough to mow the lawn but he made me like participate in lawn mowing somehow yeah and like earn the money yeah to go to this department store in uh modesto called ardan's and then um I bought it with my own money. I remember like going up the counter and giving him like <laughs> yeah. five bucks. It was like four fifty yeah, or something. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, that's still one of my favorite jams, "Let It Be." Um, but I don't know. I just I was always super super into music, and then I was probably about I don't know twelve or thirteen, and I was really into Iron Maiden, and I wanted um, I thought Steve Harris. Well, he I mean he is a super badass dude. He writes all that stuff but I was really fascinated with the way that he played bass, the triplets and like the kind of the galloping sound, yeah. like the trooper or run to the hills or whatever the way that he does those triplets, which is interesting. Cause like that's so much of modern hip hop is a similar pattern in the hi hats. But anyway, um, I got a bass when I was probably 13 or 14 and I remember my dad saying like, I wanted this better amp. I got this gorilla amp and an Epiphone bass and he's like, if you play, I don't remember what the duration was, but it, like if you play it for a year, then you, yeah. then I'll buy you the better amp. Yeah, and it's so, motivation. <laughs> yeah, so I did and then, you know, I just started playing in bands around Modesto and then I did that for a, a long time. Um, and then we started recording some of my first bands. My first band would record, I think Deftones actually did some of their first stuff there too at Enharmonic Studios in, in uh, Sacramento. And there was a ramp there. There was a really gnarly half pipe. And then there was a, like a quarter pipe up against the wall. And there was a bank wrap. And there was a stage where you would play. Um, so we'd go up there and we would skate and make our demos and stuff. Started producing stuff for other bands. when I was like probably pretty young, 18 or whatever. I got a four track. And then I was in a band around town when Granddaddy was starting, because they started as a three piece. And then um, it was sort of talked about as they wanted to expand whether I would be interested in doing that or not. But I was really loyal to my my friends that I was in a band with, so I didn't want to do that. And then and then I just wound up joining Granddaddy a few years nice. afterward. And that's, you know, music has um, been my job, I guess, since like 1996, I think. Yeah. When Granddaddy got...
1: What, what was the other band that
0: you were in before it? Well, it was, there, it was called two things. It was called Power Trip, and then we changed it to Suffer Bus. Okay. Af- named after a, a Masters of Reality song. Yeah. Masters of Reality is that band. That actually, Caius and, and Josh Homme's project sort of come, came out of that, that scene, the like desert scene. Yeah. But Chris Goss, who I think, yeah, well, I know he played on early uh, Queens of the Stone Age records, and maybe it, he probably had something to do with Caius too, but. Anyway, his band, we named our band after. We thought that was a good name, Sufferbus. Nice. Um, it's not a very good band name, actually.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> so, would the style of music was similar to Caius or stuff like that? or uh, was it n-
0: No, it was It was probably more... Oh, how would I describe that stuff? That band had... Like, everybody was kind of into different stuff, so it almost kind of would have been more like Mr. Bungle or something because there's, like, metal heads and then there's, like, funk people yeah. and song people and Hell yeah like all of that shit was sort of like getting gobbled up and then and then on the side like the dudes in that band and then some of the dudes in Granddaddy we started a little like country cover band um, oh yeah probably like in shit I don't remember when that was probably like 94 or 95 we were just Robbie who was Jason from Granddaddy and Tim from Granddaddy's really old friend he managed Granddaddy until I think 1998 so like Got us our first deals and stuff. Anyway, Robbie had this house that uh, Jason set up a studio in the back. They both lived there. Tim lived there too, and then um, we would just go over there like probably once every couple of weeks. I feel like, and we would we would just learn all these country songs like George Jones, yeah, you know, Lefty Frizzell. Um, There's probably some Johnny Cash in there. I don't know. Like, every I can't remember how it worked. Maybe there were probably like eight or nine of us playing. We all got to choose three songs. Yeah, and then everybody had to learn. All the chords and
1: did you ever record any of that or no, or
0: i don't I mean no, not not certainly not in any official way, I mean yeah Jason was often recording stuff, so there I mean who knows there could be some archival shit somewhere of that stuff, but we would just it was and, you know it was, well, we didn't need an excuse to sit around and get drunk, but it was <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah we yeah. could we could sit around and do that in more of an official capacity, you know yeah yeah,
1: and <laughs> feel like you're you're being productive while you're yeah out. yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. That's cool. And uh, so like, I'm kind of hearing that basically like all genres of music or you're like, you're into all of it, you know, and it it sounds like, you know, going from Iron Maiden to George Jones to this, like, it sounds like even like, you know, at an earlier age, you were aware of so many different genres. Yeah, it's
0: like all kids nowadays, you know, just because Spotify or whatever streaming services they like. There's not really like I mean there are like metalheads or there's like skate kids or whatever but yeah a lot of times you know it's it's not out of the question that a kid's like have you heard of the new Katy Perry jam and then they like deicide as well yeah whatever like yeah. It just it's all mixed up and that's that's always the way like I was super super into I mean I remember like a lot of my friends who I'm still friends with all these dudes but in my like metal or like punk community they would they would be like. They would, I mean, I'm not even going to say the words, but they would be like, say some pretty disparaging shit because I was super into REM and U2. Yeah. Like, and violence and XL. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Death Angel and Forbidden. But I don't know. To me, it was just like... its It was always like a good jam is a good jam. Right. I loved Run DMC. I loved Beastie Boys. I loved Public Enemy. Like... I just... I don't know, man. I've always been super, super into music. And that, that is... It's exactly the same now. Like, you know, you hear a song like, I don't know, it's not even remarkable at this point, but like a song like North North by Vince Staples has, I can tell what the differences are. And like, I completely can dismantle chord sequences and melody and all that shit. But a song like North North has exactly as much validity to me as like Happiness by Elliott Smith. You know what I mean? Like a quarterly complex, melodically complex song is not any richer in experience or or delivery than like a vince staples jam you know what i mean yeah i just that's the way that i've I've, i don't know it's just the way that i've always listened to music i I would like go i saw you too you know like on the joshua tree tour and then shortly after that i was at a violence show in 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 sacramento at a place (laughs) called danceteria you know like, I don't know. It was just all the same shit to me. Not yeah. the same, but you know what I'm saying. I just never... Those those divisions... And that was... A, that was. A th- I remember thinking that, like, as a skater kid... I mean, you probably grew up skating. Yeah. Like, there was that thing where some skater kids, not all of them, but they'd be like... They would adopt as much of a uniform as, like, a football player. So then it's like... Oh, yeah, yeah. If you... if Like... <laughs> no, 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 you can't like that. You couldn't wear
1: Janko jeans because that's what rollerbladers wore. So you had to wear like drawers or something. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) And there's like all
0: those divisions. And I would just, I would always think, and sometimes I would say it like, well, that's, this is how we wound up skating. Because back then there were like five skaters in the country, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So like, (laughs) this is why we do this. So you can just do whatever you want. Right. You can't, you can't can't tell people that they can't like, yeah, yeah, that's what skateboarding is. You can just do whatever you want.
1: Yeah, just being creative and having that freedom to, totally. to express yourself, totally. like, artistically in yeah, any yeah. direction. exactly. Yeah. And that's what's so rad about skateboarding, I feel like, because it's an art and a sport kind of put together. Exactly, yeah.
0: And that's, I mean, people, like, clown on Nyjah or whatever versus, like, you know, the, well, they're not piss trunks anymore because they're all silver, but, like, versus, like, the Baker, Baker type yeah. of skating or whatever. And I'm just like, who cares if Nyjah's wearing short shorts and is, like, kind of a jock? Who
1: yeah whatever it's like that's him just let him be him yeah Yeah, like now he's got to conform to that when the whole point was to not conform totally exactly yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. Yeah. exactly no i get that for sure you know you kind of brought up a good subject earlier and i was thinking about it with when you know uh, i'm a little younger than you but not much and my i have a brother your age and So I was thinking like back then, you know, discovering music compared to now, you're talking about Spotify and Spotify is like, okay, I'll click here and I'll find this type and then I'll click there and I'll find that type where back in the day you had to go to different record stores and like different things and search all over to find new stuff. And like, I wondered like, I wanted to just hear about kind of your process of doing that. Like if you had like a specific record store or a few that you knew, like, they might have a little bit more like B-sides type of stuff compared to yeah,
0: well, I remember we would we would have to go to like there, there were the towers in Sacramento and, and Stockton which were closer to us. It was easier to get to those um, I guess it's about as far as Berkeley, but I mean we would um, Before I had a license like I would tell my friends like there's these dudes Jamie uh jamie Durr, who's now an engineer he just he just actually t- produced and recorded the new sammy hagar record oh what <laughs> and i was in a band <laughs> with him but anyway yeah um he's older than me and then my friend sean wood who's also became an engineer i guess there's a lot of music stuff but anyway those dudes i would i had a paper route and i just spent all that money on um music so i would tell those dudes if you drive me up there i'll pay for gas and i'll buy you a record so we'd go to rasputin yeah. in um Rasputin was where you could get like maybe the you know like the Creeping Death picture disc or whatever you couldn't get that stuff at Tower but you could get tons of stuff at Tower in Sacramento or, or Stockton that you couldn't get in Modesto yeah like but I remember like filling out special order forms like you would read about you'd get these catalogs I can't remember what they were called maybe like it wasn't music for the masses that's a that's a Depeche Mode record there was some there was some catalog that you could order and then you you know all these listings of imports and then you'd like oh i want metallica jump in the fire picture disc yeah and then you'd go down to like uh if if you couldn't get to rasputin or whatever in berkeley then you go down to the warehouse in modesto maybe it's still the record factory at that point fill out a special order form they're like they would take like half your money 10 bucks or whatever and they're like it might take eight weeks <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so crazy. hopefully it'll show up Totally. Yeah, yeah. but then we were always going to shows you know like all of the we were we were totally like part of the the thrash Bay Area thrash scene so like we saw you know well Primus was not thrash but they were on the periphery of that scene but we saw Primus probably like hell yeah 50 times between like 1988 and so good dude. like 91 <laughs> yeah, yeah. or something and then yeah. violence Death Angel Forbidden Testament um there was a yeah. band called Horde of Torment it's funny
1: that they're cause there's such a I get I, Primus is such a like Collaboration of all these different styles, but it's funny that, to hear it that they were on the periphery
0: of that. Yeah, yeah. That you know that genre of music, and they were the, they were the somehow they bridged the gap because there was like yeah. a, always a darkness to their music in yeah. a way. So like the metal kids could show up at Primus shows and and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't beyond the pale, you know.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: And my brother was a big Primus
1: fan, and he's who turned me onto that okay yeah and then i I went and saw him I saw Claypool I saw Primus then I saw Claypool on his own thing, and then he was doing a band called Oysterhead at one point with Stuart Copeland. yeah, dude. and uh, I saw them and then kind of got to meet them uh, after the show or whatever And oh, that wow. was cool and um, but yeah, no that's that's cool. It's cool to hear that just that whole. Like thinking back to those days of innocence kind of when you're finding music and you're just you're just finding you like you're you're like i'll give you five bucks to drive me over here and totally God, those days were so so rad and, and and uh you know and hopefully kids are experiencing that kind of
0: feeling now and i think they probably are similar but you know Man, we went to we went to a show that, so the the first band that i signed to it like or i signed that, that i found for danger bird that signed to a singles deal is a band called millie actually brendan from the band is going to come over here in a little bit but um we went to their show at El Cid last week and I was so stoked when I left there because it was like I mean I'm sure that me and a couple of people from the label my friend Sean who was with us um, I'm sure that we were the only people there not only over like 20 like over 30 but like over 25 there were just all these younger people so stoked like singing along and everything was like shit that is so off the radar of not even like over underground music it's just like that stuff is not no yeah. one's no one's heard about it yet but still there's like 150 people there who are super into it and sean and i were talking on the way back to our house it's just like oh man it's it's still there like yeah it's still happening kids are still doing it you know? yeah
1: that's so cool because i feel like that energy is like unmatched where like that feeling you get from being like just being in that group where everybody is feeling this thing and like aware, you know, just have discovered this thing in a, in a sense. And, yeah. and like, just that energy of it. Um, for a long time, I went and uh, toured around with the band CKY. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I had done all the CKY videos and yeah. all those other things. And I went with them and so I'd come out and like, you know, get the crowd chanting for CKY to, to, uh, you know, that they were coming out and then you jump off a balcony or whatever. But like, the energy that was going on in those shows was just some of the best times of my life of just feeling that. And just like, there'll be times where, you know, Darren or Jess would be like, Oh, like, yeah, hang back here. I'm like, nah, I want to get out and into the crowd and be in the middle of that. Cause that feeling of the
0: energy. Yeah. Like, like that. yeah.
1: And it's, it's so cool. And, and it is like, it's, it's kind of neat to know, like, you know, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, but just that you can still find that, and still have that passion for that at this point, you know, like, like you said, some, sometimes you can lose that, whatever your craft may be, you can lose that energy for it. But, but I think it's important to like re-energize yourself by going to those shows totally, and doing that.
0: Yeah. And just, you know, also for me, it's become really, really important to like collaborate or, you know, at least make the attempt at collaboration with younger people too. Cause I mean, I'd, it's it's such an incredible gift to be in Modest Mouse or being Granddaddy for sure, um, but you know we. I know I don't I actually I don't know what to expect certainly in in Modest Mouse because it's such a fucking weird band and <laughs> in the best possible way it's just it's totally unpredictable but but like I know those personalities you know yeah and so but they they also routinely surprise me but it's it's been really fun to. Um, be back in Los Angeles, I mean, that's one of the main reasons that we moved back here from New York. We were there for a couple of years. We were all over the country for a couple of years, me and my wife, Natasha. Um, but to be back here, because there's so much music that happens here. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of ability for me to connect with, you know, oftentimes younger people. And just, like, everybody makes music in a different way. So there's always a way to learn, you know, even with people who are way less experienced than, than I am. There's always a way to learn something new and yeah. I really value that as well
1: yeah that's cool and then like we were talking a little bit before this just about how everybody's story is different and like totally so they just bring a different vibe and a different element to whatever it is maybe you're doing and I've, I've learned that through collaborating and like filmmaking and, and other things it's like Oh, I was thinking this direction, and then this person came in with this other idea, and you're like, damn, that, that just brings a whole new light on yeah, what yeah. it is. And, and uh, I mean, it's fun to experience that. And I think, like, old or young or whatever, really doesn't matter. It's almost just the, the, the difference in personalities totally. and, and, and who people are. But. Um, I wanted to hear a little bit of kind of just the journey of Granddaddy. Like, you know, you're seeing back in 95, 96 and that's and then in 98 or 97 or 98 is when you're getting signed. Like, what was that like, like being being a musician that is playing in bands, you know, in clubs and doing that and you're traveling around and you're you're on that scene and then like all of a sudden you get signed. Because I feel like back in the day getting signed was like it where you're like, oh, like we're, we're like, it's just that feeling of like, oh, like we're headed somewhere now, you
0: know, like what was that like? Well, I mean, well, there's a couple things in there. So, you know, like definitely at that at that time, I mean, they're still well now they're back like big, crazy deals. We didn't have a crazy deal, but getting signed meant, you know, that you got a little cash for sure. Yeah, which isn't always the case now. Um, so for us, you know, um, trying to think about the steps, like, g- Jason was determined, he'd always recorded all the music on his own, he was really determined for that to continue, so, like, we, we took, you know, the advance, the majority of it, and we able to bolster the studio, you know, people weren't really recording themselves back then, now it's, it's much easier to do that, because every, I mean, every laptop comes with basically yeah. a professional <laughs> recording studio, but, um, That was a a really big deal. We uh, well, just I'll just tell you the memories of like so, Granddaddy. We got a little tiny deal with this band or this uh, label called Will Records, and then we got a little dough from them. And then Richard Branson had just started a new label called V2 after after he had gotten out of Virgin a few years before. So V2 signed us outside of the U.S., and so we rented this uh, house up in the hills in coulterville which is like 60 miles east of modesto and it was a four-bedroom house and it had a uh two-story it was a two-story house and it was on 50 acres and it was five hundred dollars a month and uh, (laughs) (laughs) that would be nice to be able to get that now (laughs) so crazy you probably still could up there yeah yeah um and then um v2 without them knowing it they bought us a lot of half pipes we would always like bury that in the budget somehow like say we were buying a compressor or whatever and then and then build a little mini ramp. yeah hell yeah so we built a fucking wild i mean i think about this ramp a lot um just (laughs) really it went downhill because we didn't really level it we didn't level it properly (laughs) so it was really it was narrow it was only eight feet wide and it was like it had really fast transitions and yeah. tons of flat bottom, but then you, so you'd go like downhill and it probably dropped, I bet it dropped like six inches. So you'd have tons of speed like going toward the north wall. Yeah, dude. And then, and then you'd basically have to push going back up the south, To yeah. the south wall, but um,
1: it's so funny because that's like explaining like the exact ramp that we had built in my friend's backyard was like that. We all just got a little bit of money together and then you like take some wood from like a house that's being totally. built over there and yeah, then yeah. put this thing together and like, we built it and then we're like, oh, we didn't even think about coping. So then we had to like cut out and then try to get coping in there. And it was just so ghetto. But we were up there with like, you know, like uh, work lights. Mm-hmm. skating because the first night that we finally got it all done we had like work lights up there and we we're just like out there skating and it was like so hell because it was like you like the one side you hit it was like the transition was just like oh and then like the next one was like oh this is nice over here i can try this. yeah and then, yeah yeah, exactly oh, and then like you know so just <laughs> fun, that reminded me well, of also, that also all
0: you east coast dudes i mean east coast skating is so much different because like donnie barley and brian anderson those dudes like yeah kim cardona you know keith Huffman. Always you got to like the surface sucks out there because like yeah (laughs) and you also can't skate so those that was just such a different style of skating you guys were like kind of tougher than west coast skaters in a way but anyway um we got we got uh we got signed and we made the first record out at that place and it was just it was it was so surreal that i kind of there wasn't really even the ability to process it because like we got done with that record Like we had made an EP and we had gone on tour. So this EP came out in 1996 and only came out in the US. It came out in April of 1996. And then we did a tour that summer. We were only on Will Records. We didn't have an international deal. And with no exaggeration, we did a five week tour. And I bet that entire tour, we probably played in front of a total of like 100, maybe 150 people. Was gnarly. I mean, there were, yeah, and there were it's like, oh, became, you are here for the
1: show? Like, no, nah, I work here. Like, no, 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 no,
0: Kirby's Kirby's Beer Store in Wichita, Kansas. That actually happened. Yeah. my first name is Kirby, so it's funny that we played there. But um, oh yeah, yeah, they uh, the Butthole Surfers were playing down the street with maybe oh, Stone yeah. Temple Pilots. Wow, the, the I remember that we played for the bartender. That was fucking it. We played for the bartender. He's like, I'm gonna give you fifty bucks or whatever it was. And so um, and then he. But we heard this probably five times on that tour. Like, this never happened before. We've never had no one here. And so <laughs> that makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah ego exactly. is fl- inflated. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, that was probably good for us. Because yeah. Jason booked that whole tour on his own through Maximum Rock and Rolls book, your own fucking life publication. You just He would just call people, whatever. Anyway, so we did that. And, and so I think we had no expectations. And we got signed to V2 outside of the US, made that first record at the place in Coulterville and I I mean we knew that a few people out there liked us yeah like I don't want it sounds maybe a little egotistical to say important people but kind of impor, a few important people liked us but yeah. what does that mean doesn't mean anything because like nobody comes to shows or whatever yeah and all of our friends in Modesto liked us and then um. we we got done with the record like in July of 1997 me and Jason came down here we mastered it and it was they started putting singles out like in September of that year maybe they started servicing radio even like a month later and then jason was the only dude with a passport because he had to go to london to sign the deal and then there was just this sudden emergency like you all have to get passports because it's starting to like pop off and, oh, in the whoa. uk so none of us i mean we had been on that tour and we had like gone on skate trips and stuff but we had never really traveled before and then suddenly we all had to go out and get passports and then we were just two months after that record came out we were in uh, we were in London. We went to London. We went to Belgium. Um, we went up to Edinburgh. Embra. Um, but anyway, th- that was the craziest trip because everything just happened so fast. Like the record had been done for like two months. We played three shows in London over the course of like three weeks. The first one, there was basically like the staff of the label there. Yeah. So there were like 10 people and a couple of journalists. But then the right journalists were there, I guess. So then they wrote about it like in a weekly or maybe a daily or whatever and then there was a show there was a second show like a week later and then it was like wow there's people here shit this is cool like there's a 50 people here That's the most <laughs> yeah we've ever yeah played, yeah, huh? yeah and then the next show i don't remember which maybe it was the independent or something but one of the like bigger i think dailies and in, in the uk or maybe enemy or something wrote about the single or one of the shows and then we played at this bar that held like 150 people and there was a fucking line down the block and it was like whoa this is crazy and then we had to come back a couple months later and it was kind of happening again you know like bigger and bigger and then we just decided like nothing's happening in the u.s because it was still will records and they didn't know what to do with us and maybe people just didn't like us here i don't know but we went to europe probably like six or seven times on that first record on under the western freeway and then um and then during that, we wound up getting off of Will Records and signing to V2 worldwide. So then there was a little bit of, you know, actual money and expectations going into the second record. And this, yeah. was a, this was a funny thing because we were all a little bit tripped out by the expectations. But Jason had the idea like, well, what we should do is we should make a fake record. And then when the real record is done, the, what's going to become the second record, we should, we should send them the fake record which we actually did Um, and it was just this
1: what was like the reason kind of behind that just to just to get them off your back so you can make what you wanted yeah well we had
0: already we like we made the fake record and then we made the real record and i I knew the real record was really good like and everybody did i mean jason just made these incredible songs um but we still just went through with the plan like let's (laughs) just let's just (laughs) let's just fuck with them a little bit so we sent them this fake record and then the way that it worked was that we, we FedExed it so that you know New York would get it at the same time as London, as Germany, as blah, blah, blah. And so then I think the way that it went down was like everybody in all the offices throughout the world, they all sat down at a point in time and they like, somebody pressed play somewhere <laughs> and they're like listening to it on speakerphone and they're listening to this fake record. And it was like, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's out there in the world. We, we wound up putting it out under a fake band name later called Arm of Roger. But then all these people are just sitting around going like, I mean, if you hear it, you'll just be like, what the fuck is this? And the first couple (laughs) songs sort of make sense. It's it's sort of like... You, like, drag them into it. Maybe that's just not a very good new granddaddy song. And then by the time you're, like, at the fourth song, you're like, what is this shit? And then... uh, That's awesome. It's just so stupid. It's just, like, dumb, juvenile, drunk humor, but... Yeah, but that's hilarious. Yeah, and they they didn't realize it for a while, and then our A&R person, who I'm still close to, her name's Kate Hyman... She, well, her husband figured it out first. He's like, Kate, they're fucking with you. This is a joke. So then she called me, I was managing the band at the time. She called me like five days later and I was petrified. And uh, <laughs> she's like, cause I, I called Jason. I was like, dude, we gotta call him and say, we're just kidding. He's like, no dude, just let it Man, play out. let
1: that go for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: and so it was five days later and then uh, Kate called me and I was like, hey, what's going on, Kate? How are you? And she's like, I'm doing good. I was like, so, did you get the record? And she's like, I got the record. Now, send me the real record, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that record became the software slum. Or what, you know, that's the one that... And that was kind of a, like our, the breakthrough. Like, it happened here. It happened in the UK. At least bigger than it ever had been before. So like, Yeah. And that just got... That got really crazy. It was a lot to process because it was like... We get word that David Bowie is a fan, for example. So, then he starts coming to shows. Wow. And like showing up backstage, and um, I, you know, I'll say as a side note, like, what an incredible dude! Like,
1: dude, that's sweetest,
0: insane. Like a true gentleman. Like when you think about that dude, and you're like, wow, he's a handsome dude who made Space Oddity, and he's cool, and he was all of that stuff. He was just like, at least in our limited like few times that we hung out with him, experience was a nice dude. And then Elliot Smith took us on tour, and that was a big deal. Wow. Um, so Damn. like all these things started to happen <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then it became, you know, like a thing. And then also, you know, with that, it, then we just started getting just, I mean, you know, I used to say this and then fortunately, un- unfortunately Kevin passed away a couple of years ago, unrelated to this, but I used to just think like, I would say this to people like, it's a fucking miracle that the five people in that band are still alive. Cause yeah the lengths that we went to not to kill ourselves, but, but that would naturally be the byproduct of just like our, you know, abuse of ourselves. The fact that that didn't happen was, was a minor. Like I got fucking run over by a semi and, you know, just drugs and booze and like precarious situations and like dumb stuff that I'm like bummed that we, you know, like, Drinking and driving while we were still driving a van and stuff. Just like really, really bad stuff. stuff yeah, that I've could never done really anything like that. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: <laughs> but no, I mean, I could totally relate because it was the same way. And I'd felt that way for a long time. Like, it's a, mi- a miracle everybody's alive. And then Ryan died. Right. You know, and then. Um, yeah, I'm sure. So it was, it was a similar kind of f- feeling of that. And um, I got sober like uh, coming up on 10 years, but. Yeah, Um, a little over three now yeah and and so i i had to do that because it was it was insane like when when you think about the way that we were living and it's it's very similar i mean like i was touring with the rock band cky and then also doing the jackass and the viva la bam and all these other stuff that was just crazy and a crazy way to live and uh yeah and and I mean, eventually it catches up with you in one way or another. It doesn't necessarily have to be like death or with that stuff, but it it kind of caught up with me in, in regards to just like, just my mental health and yeah, those and experiences oth- other have things. a lot of weight. And yeah, that
0: shit around with you yeah gets heavy.
1: Yeah, so it's wild. So so after like you kind of got you know you guys got big and shit, you got David Bowie coming to your show. Like that's I mean that's gotta like blow your mind um, that that's happening. You know and I mean he he's just you know an artist that's i just feel like on another level than oh yeah anybody but like it chills when you say that
0: yeah yeah it's just like it's yeah it may you know i think there's ways that you could like draw up a diagram to to demonstrate that he's like the best to ever do it or one of the five best ever yeah or whatever you know
1: yeah i mean and i I would i would second that argument because it is like it's it's all levels of art with him that like it's yeah musician but but like Every well, he other just other lived
0: aspect. it, you know. Yeah. Like he was
1: so in it. Yeah, and so that's so cool, and so like you know, it blows your mind to all of a sudden you're getting recognition in in Europe, and then now it's starting to happen for you with the second ba- or the second album, and you're and you're going to the U.S. and it's everything's getting big and doing that. Like, and you say you live this life of, of excess and, and and all those things. Like, did you you guys kind of ended up taking a break at a point? I think. And and
0: yeah, I mean we we pushed through pretty hard um you know we came home from doing all the stuff with the software slump um and then we jason bought this house in Ceres, california which is right next to modesto made a third record there This record called someday and then yeah. um that came out and it just like granddaddy was a really weird thing where I, either because of our bad decisions or mismanagement like it's still a band that's it's, you know, maybe it sounds really arrogant to say this, but it's still really influential. Like, I have so many, you know, younger people, or whatever, just people who are like, that record meant everything to me. That happens often, you know, fortunately. Um, But it never quite got to the point where it was like, we could all just, like, take a year off and, you know, settle into whatever sort of reflective state would have been required to be able to continue, so... Yeah. We toured that record. And then we... Jason made um, another record after that, which was really, like... I mean, it was starting to go more and more, like, Jason-centric as the band progressed. But then that one was basically, like, just a Jason solo record. This isn't Sour grapes; It's just the way that it went down. And then we just had a meeting, like, we we can't go back out and do the same shit. And that's what it's going to be. It's just going to be the same stuff. So we made the decision to, to call it. Um, and... That was that was right around the time where I was like making a bunch of stuff on my own. I was determined to at least like, I had always made songs. I'd always had fragments of stuff, but I was determined to like, at least see that through. You know, yeah. like, who knows what this is going to turn into? But me and Natasha went to Portland for a summer, and it was right when I was working with Peter a lot. First, starting to work with Peter a lot from Dangerbird, and so Peter, Peter, and then my friend Solon Bixler. Um, both really encouraged me a lot and peter was just like i i love he would hear me playing like little fragments of stuff and he's like i love what you're doing i want you to finish this and then he really encouraged me to like see the record through the first all smiles record and then that was also right when like i met i had met isaac before but we were living in portland and um yeah and dan gallucci had left modest Mouse, and uh who you know had sort of been in and out of the band. For a long, I and mean, there was always the core three piece. But then Dan would come in and out, and he wrote "Good News" with uh, with Benji and Eric and Isaac, and then he left. So then um, Isaac and I kind of became friends through Joe Plummer, who's still a very close friend of mine, and you know played with Modest Mouse for a long time, and played with Shins, and now plays with a- Cold War And Plummer's
1: in All Smiles, or yep, yeah.
0: And Joe's played with All Smiles a lot, and uh, but he was playing with Modest Mouse at the time, and then he had Isaac get in touch with me. When Dan left the band, so then Isaac called me one time, and he's like, uh, he's like, "Hey, we have these shows coming up. Do you uh, do you want to play them with us?" Dan left the band, and we'd never played together at all. He just liked Granddaddy. Yeah, <laughs> <So> <laughs> nice. I was like, sure, sounds great. Um, and I was like, when are the shows? And he told me whatever the dates were, and then I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So when should we start practicing? And I like. Isaac's just the most amazing dude because I don't know what sort of fucking magic that guy's working with, but it, he's just one of those dudes who like stuff works out, you know? Like, yeah. It just, he has faith that it's going to work out. Where's my dog go? She's right under you. Oh. Right here. Um, and so it does. But anyway, I was like, so when are these shows? Okay, when should we practice? i like, oh, I'll get in touch with you. I was like, okay, cool. And then it was like, I mean, I don't think I'd be exaggerating to say it was like a week before the modest Mouse shows were going to start <laughs> or allegedly, I yeah. didn't know. Maybe, maybe it's not going to happen now. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I had a few beers one night and Natasha and I were talking and she's like, well, you should call him and like, see if <laughs> this is going to go down. Yeah. And so it's probably, you know, I mean, I know he's a fellow rocker, so I can call him a little later than I would call like most people. It's probably like 1030 or 11. It's like, Hey Jim, how's it going? I was like, Hey man, good. Um, I, I just I just wanted to check in, like about what we were talking about a couple weeks ago. I was like, why don't you come over? I was like, now? Was, yeah, come over now. So I went over to. That his was house. at night. Yeah, like okay, 11 yeah, yeah, o'clock. Yeah, yeah. I probably got to his house at like 11 o'clock at night, and it was uh, it was Isaac, and um, Eric, and Tom. Eric's not in the band anymore. He was one of the original three. Um, And he left us in 2011 left the band um tommy and then and then uh jeremiah and (laughs) he was like you know yeah i think the shows were about a week away so we kind of like played a little bit but not we didn't play songs and then we did that for the next (laughs) several days like he's like come back tomorrow so we would just sit around and drink like starting at two o'clock in the afternoon just drink beer and like jam and then finally after two or three days of that i was like do you guys want to do you want me to do these shows next week and he's like oh yeah yeah totally i was like do you want to give me like a list of songs to learn i don't know any of your music i mean i knew it but like i don't know how to play yeah, it. yeah right and he's like so eric wrote down 15 songs and then so i would we would just basically for the next like four days or whatever um i was like okay well i gotta go learn these songs so i left you know drunk went home and learned a few and so i would go home <laughs> Drunk at the end of every practice and learn like four or five songs. And I didn't know, have any idea. There's, you know, Isaac used to record a lot of guitar Well, s- still does, but record a lot of guitar parts. So I would like learn all the guitar parts. Oh, man. And then I would just like go. Just in
1: case I have to play this or yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I would
0: go back the next day. And then a few times I'd like start to play something. He's like, that's my part. I'm like, okay, shit, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. And then so. Uh, that's awesome. We played. And then that was a whole, I I won't even go into the specifics because it gets a little personal, but like um, we played the first show at the Fillmore, which is like a private show, maybe for like macro media or somebody, did Flash or some shit like that. And um, the show went really, really weird. And then (laughs) the next night we were gonna play in Reno. And then some shit went down in San Francisco that made it so that we couldn't play the show in Reno. But then we had a night off the next day and the venue was open, so then it was at the Hilton in Reno. So the show's just postponed. So there's just like thousands of Modest Mouse fans walking around in this casino, and we're all there, like fucking playing blackjack or whatever. And then people are just walking up, and they're like, "What? What's going on?" And we're like, "Oh man, we're not playing until tomorrow." <laughs> and so they're like, "Whatever." But that's just how stuff goes down in that world. And then we played <laughs> that that show and then the the next so there were three shows on that first run and then this the third one was at shoreline amphitheater which is like you know twenty two thousand people or whatever in mountain view california and i just remember thinking like this is so fucking weird like because that was granddaddy had played festivals that that big but we had never we had never played like arenas or like you know amphitheaters like that yeah as like one of the main draws yeah and i just remember thinking like you know, any of this sort of stuff that you, I mean, you've had, I know, a ton of experiences like this in when you're like, it's just so surreal. Because, like, I was just thinking at that moment, like, a week ago, I barely knew, I still barely know these dudes. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, I was yeah. just, like, sitting in this dude's attic, like, <laughs> figuring out these songs. And now I'm in front of 22,000 people who are singing along to this. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think, I also think that it's really important to keep your finger on that sort of stuff because it is truly so surreal that there's no fucking way you could ever try to integrate that as like your new fixed reality it's oh just yeah so yeah trippy yeah. you know like and that's why i think you know that shit screws people up i'm sure it's screwed me up for sure i'm not i'm not immune to it but that shit really can mess with people's heads like thinking that that's now just what right. your life is absolutely and your life is not like being on tv or playing in front of
1: yeah and 18 trillion the adrenaline people and everything that comes that becomes this drug in itself totally, totally. and then like you said if you start to think that's your new reality like you're in trouble because oh, that's man. not going to always be there and, and but it's hard not to like get kind of you know um i would say like um you're romanced by that oh man you know yeah, you, absolutely. you're you're kind of like why can't this be, you know, and it's like, because it is like, you know, just kind of riding that wave when it's there. And then, and then it shifts and changes. And, and, uh, man, that's gotta be wild though, to like, feel like, man, I gotta learn all these songs real quick and do that and then
0: get out there. and and it got even weirder too, because at that time, um, they were, you know, coming off of good news for people who love bad news. And then, um, they were, just starting to think about writing the next record and so Isaac's like we love playing with you but before you had before I asked you to play these shows I had asked Johnny Marr to come and write songs with us and so then and I won't go too deep into the weeds with this there were a lot of iterations but then it became this thing where I was like sort of jockeying for the new guitar player in modest mouse position with Johnny Marr who's this dude who you know we'd all grown up knowing was this legendary dude from the Smiths and Pretenders and, duh, duh, and yeah talking <laughs> it was just like Again, like, this is a very surreal yeah. moment in life. And Johnny wound up playing with them for a while, and then and then that didn't, wound up, it wound up that that didn't Change become the, a yeah. forever thing. So then I have now been in the band for, you know, more than a decade. Yeah, um, and that's
1: crazy. And, and so then you kind of, um, over time, like, got into the writing process as well, right? I mean, you, yep. and you- I wrote
0: some of the stuff on uh, the last record, and I'm sure it'll be the case with the new record whenever we get yeah. that. Whenever we get that rolling, yeah, um, yeah, and you know, it's. I mean, that band is just. It, it's it's. I think I can say this sort of objectively, cause, cause I didn't start the band. I've only been there for a while, but when that band is at its best, it's one of the best bands in the world. Like that, it's just that catalog is so deep. The songs yeah, yeah. that they have made, and you know, I I definitely think that Isaac is like one of the best dudes to ever be a front man like he's the way that he sings his lyrics his performances his guitar playing like that band is th- yeah. all of those the, 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 you know the core of that band like even though Eric isn't there anymore like the way that those three dudes played together it's just such a unique thing like nothing yeah. has ever sounded like that and will ever sound like that again and you know Isaac is weird because he's like such a he, he totally has. Like nothing happens without him, but he also is completely empowering, which is not the case with a lot of like bosses, you know. Like, right. Bosses of bands.
1: You don't feel like like there's an influence there, but you don't. It's not necessarily a line in the sand sort of thing. So then, yeah, and he
0: yeah. empowers people. Like yeah, like you're good at coming up with riffs or whatever. So fucking come up with them.
1: Yeah. You know, like whatever. He just he's. That's awesome. it's An interesting
0: thing. He's. But yeah. Yeah, because I
1: feel that way about Modest Mouse. Is like to me, it's a band that I could listen to in any mood, mm-hmm. which is hard because like, you know, like certain certain bands, you're like, ah, I'm just not in the mood for that right, right now. Right, and yeah. then I'm like, I'll you know, maybe I'll get to that place. And then on that on a certain day, you're like, this is exactly what I want to hear right now. Yeah, but, yeah. but with Modest Mouse, there's a feeling of like whatever mood I'm in, there's songs or different albums or things that like play to that. Totally. You know, and that and that's yeah, that is like pretty special and unique that there's one band that can do that. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that their catalog is just, and I'll say, I mean, I'm a member of the band. But I'll say their catalog is like, the songs that they've made are just it's there's like ballads and there's countryish songs, and yeah, there's funk songs, there's like metal songs. Yeah. It's, just, it's, and none but none of it sounds like we're gonna do our metal thing now. It's like yeah, there's always. It's just yeah. such a unique energy. It's like it's, it's its it's own ecosystem, you know. And
1: so how does that work? Like when you guys tour, you know, I mean, there's bands like out there that um, really like like wean or something. Like I'm mm-hmm. um, actually wearing that. Yeah, yeah. So they, like I went to a show in New York and have seen them a couple times. And, and like sometimes they'll do things where they're like, okay, we have three shows here and we're not playing the same song twice throughout those three shows. Mm-hmm. So then it's like all of this crazy and you're like you don't know what's coming like how does it work as far as with Modest Mouse like like do, is it just like you figure out what the set list is when the show is there or is there a sort of like a um I make a the plan set list every through? night there's okay. no
0: I mean um I and I give it to Isaac and it's gotten to a point where mostly he's just like yeah great um if we're playing the same venue two nights in a row I mean basically the way that I do it is I'd I have um, whoever our tour manager is it's usually the same person but I have our tour manager print up like the last three times that we were sort of in that region okay. or even in that city Yeah. and then um, if we were close by like the night before then I'll have that one in front of me as well um, so I'm thinking about a couple of things like uh, thinking about like how the venue sounds and feels what the mood is of the band yeah. there's times where it's like People are feeling a little darker, or yeah, a little like brighter. That's rad. So try yeah. to represent that. Try to like how sound's gonna carry in the room, or whether it's outside or something like that. I'll think about that stuff, and then. But like when we do two nights at a place, we've. Never, I mean, we have done three. I wasn't making the set list when we were do, when we did the crystals several times in a row, but um. I just. There's there's like two songs that'll probably appear pretty much every night yeah but other than that like i the set lists are dramatically different that's awesome every yeah. single night and uh you know and then i also try to think about like just pacing and stuff like you know get people amped up and then but you can't always be you amped know, up. Yeah. You gotta, like have it you know and then and then also and uh, well, whatever another part of it is like there's so many instruments up there that i don't want it to be where it's the show is just basically like people walking back and forth, like trading instruments. I want there to be, you know, yeah, some yeah, continuity. Yeah. And like, if we get, if we manage to get a little energy rolling to be able to let that continue for a while. But I mean, you know, it's just such a rich catalog. I mean, I think we're choosing from like 75 songs or something wow. at this, at this moment. Yeah.
1: So. Uh, that's, that's amazing. So, um, just thinking about like to shift gears a little and, and talk about all smiles, because mm-hmm. that to me is a band like that that is rad. And I mean, you're, that's, that's your project, right? But you have like plumber and other friends that are that are playing yeah. on it as well. And yeah. not like, not that you're, you're not, are you, are you kind of creating all parts for drums and for this? or um, No, not necessarily. I mean, okay.
0: it's been, it's been definitely not the drums. um It kind of has varied from, project to project but it's like the first one was I basically played a lot of the stuff except for drums I didn't play any of the drums Joe played some drums Danny from Monomena Janet Wise from Slater-Kinney played a little bit Nice. Um, my friend Solon Bixler played some and then the second one was a lot more of a collaboration in the sense that like I made all these songs someone helped me like kind of do the final shaping of them and then we went out to Omaha to the bright eyes studio to mike Mogus and connor's yeah studio and um so nick freitas like he he wrote his parts and sullen wrote his parts and joe did as well my friend mike creswell has engineered a bunch of that stuff and then third all smiles record i guess i played everything apart from the drums and that was mostly joe and then um And then now I've just gotten done with a bunch of demos. And I'm I don't know if it'll be an all smiles thing or what I'm going to do with it. Um, The thing that I've realized in the last few years is that I just I'm I'm not that happy unless I'm making music, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, working, like trying to figure out. Just ways forward. So I just got done with a bunch of demos that I'm going to give to Joe soon and then figure out what those are supposed to be. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few interesting projects right now, but all smiles. It's just, it kind of started as like, I just wanted to be able to tell myself that I could do that. You know? Right. Cause I was, I was never confident that like I could make songs.
1: Oh, well, you definitely can. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. Cause I, I was just thinking like, um, like I write screenplay stuff too. And working oh, yeah. towards becoming a director in that realm with, with films and, and, uh, and your band All Smiles is like a lot of that vibe and that feel really works for what I had been writing. Oh, and so right. I was listening to a lot oh, of it right. and it just is inspiring to be oh, like, cool. and it feels like, oh man, yeah, okay. And like ideas just start pouring of what the scene looks like and, and kind of what I'm oh, creating wow. with that because of the vibe of that that's music awesome. wow. and, and, and how you feel that. So like, so well, so thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's rad. And, Um, and really cool. And I, and when you mentioned a little bit about just like making sure you're either making music or, you know, and I, and I thought like, or being creative and, and I wondered because, um, you know, you had mentioned your, your wife a few times and and she's an artist, Mm -hmm. right? And so like, are are you, do you do art as well? Are you, are you mainly Um, musical or,
0: or is there? Yeah, definitely mainly musical. I mean, um,
1: it might be intimidating if you have this awesome artist wife then to she's like, she's actually,
0: she's pretty encouraging. Like if, okay, I mean, there's times where I'll sit down and draw or whatever. And she's like, that's great. You should do that. Yeah. Um, we, we have, we're actually working on a project together right now. And it's, it's probably like maybe years away from being yeah, ready, but it definitely incorporates both of our strengths, like, you know, music and her, her visual sensibility. Yeah. Um,
1: so does she have shows and stuff and and like? Yes. Well, she and, and was just gal- on
0: maternity leave for because we have a 19 month old son. Oh,
1: congrats on that. That's cool.
0: Thanks. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, <laughs> but she, when we moved back to LA, like it took us a while to get a studio. We have a, like a little uh, storefront in Culver City that, like, I have a part of it as my writing room and she has a part of it for her practice. But she didn't she didn't make that much stuff for a couple of years because her stuff is like, it's really large scale, and then it also She's using less chemicals now, Okay. but you know, being a painter and shit, there's like right. a lot of that you sort of stuff. Right, get away from that while you're pregnant. Yeah, I didn't want to do that while she was pregnant and or stuff. breastfeeding and all that. Yeah. So, um, but the stuff that she's making right now um, is, she's had a ton of, you know, cool people by the studio who are really stoked on what she's doing. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. you should come by sometime. It's it's like the yeah, shit that she's right. doing right now is really really these crazy like large-scale paintings Wow um,
1: dude, I love I love that like I, that that's, that kind of art to me is like when there's this like this huge canvas that it's yeah. like, man it's it's intense and even if you see somebody like on a ladder and like and having to like get into crazy things to find it and, and, and for me like seeing that like I, I'm trying to start to dabble in, in painting and mm-hmm. in that I used to do uh, a lot of pottery and stuff and yeah so yeah. then like just but to see that like uh it's just amazing how the mind thinks in the, and the you can like you almost break it down into sections of how you see this the the greater whole right Yeah. and yeah. that's pretty neat to watch that um that process of, of doing
0: that yeah the, i mean those parallels i mean that's i guess the most interesting thing about art is like g- getting the, the parallels that exist between our existence and you know, yeah the, yeah the creation of that stuff or the existence of that but yeah she's you know anything visual like she's completely she's designed a lot of the furniture in our house she's i mean she can make ceramics she's not she doesn't concentrate on being a ceramics artist but she's made tons of like ceramic stuff for our house and, yeah like, uh design we have a big dining room with these huge ceilings and she like designed the table and had it built and um yeah that's she's cool. getting ready to design the we're going to build a studio for her in our in our backyard wow she's you know anything she's just such a like definitive aesthetic yeah she's incredible you know so
1: that's got to be rad to be like all right my house is going to be so awesome
0: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: yeah she just yeah hooks it it's up it's funny
0: too because she'll be like well what do you think and i'm like why does it fucking matter what i think yeah like, you, you, <laughs> you, <laughs> you do that you're so good at that <laughs> yeah whatever, whatever i think i, think, I, I, think, think, I think, think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. awesome yeah <laughs> like, i, I love what you're doing, doing there, there. yeah totally yeah yeah. So and it's it's really interesting to watch how like our little dude, which which sides of our personalities he goes toward, within that as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's neat. That's got to be really cool. And that is that your first kid? Yeah, yeah. he's our first one. Yeah. So that that's pretty cool to watch that kind of. Oh yeah, it's incredible. Um, well, dude. Thanks for. Uh, coming on the bathroom break podcast um, man, thanks for having me do you have any you uh you have some stuff coming up like like modest Mouse is going to play in the fall or oh, yeah, something? yeah modest
0: Mouse is doing a tour in the fall and then I, I I have an instrumental record that will come out on danger bird early next like fully like it's I basically scored an imaginary film oh hell like, yeah that I had in my head in damn
1: that, that's right when's that coming
0: I think it'll probably come early next year there there's a part of danger bird called the Arthur King presents series where it's like I, I don't think it would, you could as narrowly define it as ambient music but it's like generally instrumental music and so they asked me if I would do one of those and you know I've I've made tons of that kind of music but I had never I've never had it commercially released yeah so I'm going to call it Small Isles oh and yeah yeah that's going to come out probably early next year and then interestingly Jason is doing one for that series from Granddaddy is doing one for that series as well um, which will come out I think in August but I want to Maybe I should just say the goal, because. But I want to. I want to put out like an instrumental record as Small Isles. I'd like to do that, like every nine months or something. I'm just constantly making that kind of music. I love making. Yeah. Instrumental music. That's so. Cool. I'll send it to you.
1: Yeah, dude. I'd love to check it out. That, yeah. yeah, that's rad. we're yeah. just getting
0: ready to master it, but the mixes are done and. Sweet. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, it's, and then uh, you know, Modest Mouse is. Hopefully, we've kind of started maybe working on new music. We're not totally sure, um, but definitely got tours coming up and there's probably some granddaddy stuff that's yeah. percolating as well. Cool. Um, so they're just always a... busy. Yeah. And then I'll have, right. I don't know if it'll be a solo record, but I just got done with the demos for a new set of songs that I made.
1: Yeah. So awesome. There's, there's Hell yeah. Well, looking shit. forward to it, man. Yeah. yeah. And thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. Thank
0: you guys for, for having it. me on, man. Sweet. I appreciate
1: it. <laughs> cool. Thanks, brother. Thank Hell, yeah. you. Great. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> now under